0: What's going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 23 of the Football MD Podcast. My name is Michael Bowling, and I'm joined as always by my co host Daniel Ronan. And today we have our week nine preview, getting you guys ready with everything. That you'll need to know to dominate your Week Nine matchups. But before we get into that, make sure you guys are heading over to Football MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and heading over to Football MD Podcast our website where you can get all of your NFL, NCAA betting odds, all of your football related content that you need to get you through the season. And
1: before we get started today, guys, let's not forget today is Saturday. College football is on. We're getting close to the end of the season, so remember to go check out on our website at footballmdpodcast.com, the college football corner written by Chris Ronan. His weekly preview is up today. And for all of you looking to make a little money on the games this weekend, you can switch over to the Sully Says page where he puts his weekly picks out there. He's been in a little slump, but let's see if Sully can turn it around and hit big this week. All right, and
0: now we'll hop right into our Week 9 matchups, starting with the Atlanta Falcons playing the Washington
1: Redskins in a game with a 47.5 point over-under. And although the Redskins have been playing very well this season, the Atlanta Falcons offense has still been red hot and will definitely be difficult to slow down. Matt Ryan is a quarterback one on this season and will continue to be so on Sunday. So fire him up as usual. And in the backfield, Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith Ido Smith is approaching just touchdown reliability, so we wouldn't recommend starting him unless you absolutely need to. Tevin Coleman, though, could be an RB1. The Washington Redskins have been very stout against the against the run this year, but the usage for Tevin Coleman will just be too high. He'll get carries, he'll get targets, he'll be very involved, so you'll definitely have to fire him up, even in a tough matchup, especially with six teams on bye. And then as the wide receiver position, you know, we won't get into Julio Jones because you know you're starting him. But Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu, definitely both worth a look this week with all the buys. You could do much worse than looking for points anywhere else than in this offense. There's plenty of points. Uh, Matt Ryan is a true professional. He distributes the ball well. Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu, before their injuries, were both playing very hot. The only thing is Mohamed Sanu does have a tough matchup in the slot against Fabian Maru, who has been very, very good this season. So a little pause on Sanu. But I would definitely be willing to play either of these guys just due to the offense how it's been rolling
0: and the only place I'm going to disagree with you there is in the run game the Washington Redskins have been brutal against the run holding every running back that they played this season to just 61 rushing yards or less that includes Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley in fact Barkley was the only running back to surpass 48 receiving yards against them so I do think the Falcons are going to have to get it done through the air but other than that like you said there's going to be a lot of opportunities through the passing game for these wide receivers to be productive in This matchup. On the Redskins' side of the ball, Alex Smith, I said on Wednesday's episode that he's back to his pre 2017 self and he hasn't scored over 16.8 fantasy points since week one. However, since losing Keanu Neal and Deion Jones in week one, no quarterback has finished outside of the top 10 against the Falcons this season. So, for that reason, Alex Smith still ends up on the streaming radar as a higher end quarterback, too. And for the Redskins run game, Chris Thompson has been ruled out, so Adrian Peterson is a must start. Peterson now has at least 96 rushing yards in 5 of 7 games this season, and he's actually the only running back in the NFL to put up 96 or more rushing yards in more than 4 games this season. Of course, defensive tackle Grady Jarrett coming back right before the bye for the Falcons makes this a little bit less of a favorable matchup, but AP should be started in every format this week as a high-end running back too. And the Falcons are allowing over 17 fantasy points per game through the air to running backs. So if you're really in a tight spot in a deep league, there is some sleeper potential for Capri Bibbs filling in for Chris Thompson. As far as the wide receivers go, Jameson Crowder has been ruled out, and in his absence last week, Josh Doxson posted season highs and receptions with 5 and yards with 49. And Paul Richardson has had 5 targets in each of his last 3 games, while Atlanta is allowing the 3rd most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. But on the other side of that, Alex Smith has thrown only three touchdowns to wide receivers this season. So if you're desperate for a flex play, I guess you could slide one of these guys in. I would personally lean Richardson. He has been a little bit more consistent with the targets over the past few weeks. And then you have Jordan Reed. He's had 25 targets over the last three weeks. He has caught just 14 for 117 yards. But that type of opportunity keeps him in that tight end one territory
1: and the Lions travel to the Vikings in our next matchup with a high over under 50 and a half so they're expecting a lot of scoring in this game and Matthew Stafford for the Lions has not been as great as he has been especially from a fantasy a fantasy perspective this year he just isn't really getting it done and with the loss of Golden Tate that should definitely disrupt his passing game he had a good camaraderie with Golden Tate so that's going to be hard to replace in the run game it's really not a great matchup the Vikings defense is very stout only letting up 90 yards to an opposing backfield once this season, and that was just last week against Ingram and Kamara. However, the departure of Golden Tate, who had a 28% target share, should increase Carry On Johnson's value in the passing game a little bit, especially with Theo Riddick questionable for this matchup. It also benefits, Golden Tate's departure also benefits Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, obviously, with that 28% target share being divvied up mainly between the two of them I do think it will tend to favor Kenny Galladay who is in my opinion the younger more talented wide receiver the problem being the more talented younger wide receiver he is more likely to draw Xavier Rhodes in coverage so Marvin Jones actually might have a more favorable game this week and on the Viking side
0: of the ball, not much to say here. I do want to mention for Kirk Cousins, he's currently just five passing yards behind Patrick Mahomes on the season. So not that you weren't going to continue starting him as a top tier option, but a little shout out to him for getting it done through the air week in and week out. As far as the run game goes, Latavius Murray, he got it done in a brutal matchup against the Saints last week, who have been a bottom five matchup for running backs this season. And Murray now has 280 yards and four touchdowns on 52 carries over the last three weeks. The Vikings should be able to move the ball here, putting Murray in the position to score, making him a lower end running back one this week. In the passing game, of course, you're starting Adam Thielen, you're starting Stefan Diggs, and for tight end Kyle Rudolph, he hasn't had 60 yards or a touchdown since. Week three, he's just in that tier of tight ends that you're probably gonna start, but you're really just hoping for the best as he does have more upside than other
1: options at the position. But unless he falls in the end zone,
0: it's gonna be a disappointing week.
1: And up next is the always entertaining AFC North showdown between the Steelers and Ravens. On the Steelers side of the ball, obviously the Ravens is a very stout defense, it makes it a very tough matchup. The only problem with that is that the Steelers have so many weapons and they continue to score points, they're hard to not start in fantasy football obviously Antonio Brown is being started obviously James Conner is being started but you should temper your expectations that's not to say that they're going to have a bad week the Steelers could always have a good week anybody on the Steelers but being that it's a tough matchup this week keep that in mind Ben Roethlisberger doesn't really play very well against the Ravens especially in Baltimore he finished as the quarterback 20 last time these two teams matched up and just as the Ravens are tough against every position. They they are against the quarterback as well. So Ben Roethlisberger's matchup really tough this week. Hard to not start, but definitely temper expectations. And that's pretty much the that's pretty much the theme for ev- just about everyone. Juju Smith-Schuster has a little bit of a lighter matchup in the slot against Tavon Young, who has led up a seventy point eight percent catch rate. But again, it is the Ravens' defense. They swarm to the football. They tackle well. So don't expect that big playability that you might expect from Juju week in and week out. The Steelers will offer you a little bit of a streaming option at the tight end position this week, though. If there is one vulnerability against the Ravens recently, it has been the tight end position. They have allowed 44 receptions, fifth most in the NFL, and 510 yards, ninth most in the NFL, to that position. So here at Football MD, we prefer... Vance McDonald's to Jesse James in the uh, streaming category this week.
0: And then on the Ravens side of the ball, Joe Flacco, he's been regressing as of late. He averaged 313 yards and two touchdowns over his first four games. But since then, in his last four games, he's averaged just 251 yards and one touchdown while completing 57.9% of his passes during that span. In the Ravens' run game, Alex Collins, he's now out-touched Javarius Allen 46-13 to over the last three weeks. However, the Steelers have allowed the fourth-fewest points to the running back position this season and just 174 receiving yards on the season. So while you can start him, you're really just hoping he finds the end zone in this matchup. And for the receiving options, John Brown, I just like any receiver that's seen at least seven targets in six out of his seven games played this season. But we have seen his floor in three of the last four weeks, totaling 114 yards and zero touchdowns during that span so the targets and big play upside are clearly there but his potential floor keeps him in that wide receiver three range for me this week and as far as Michael Crabtree goes he's likely to be shadowed by Joe Hayden who recently held Julio Jones and AJ Green both under 69 yards so I would definitely avoid there if possible And Willie Snead now has seven targets in each of his last five games. He's someone to keep on your radar, not someone I'm willing to slide into my lineups this week. And another sneaky streaming option on the other side of Vance McDonald is rookie tight end Hayden Hurst. The Steelers have allowed the fifth most fantasy points per game to the tight end position this season and have allowed six top 12 tight end performances this season. So someone to consider if you're in a tight spot with bye weeks for week nine. And now we'll move right on to our next game of the week, the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Cleveland Browns with an over-under of 51.5 points. On the Chiefs side of the ball, you're starting Patrick Mahomes, you're starting Kareem Hunt. For the passing game, Tyreek Hill, he suffered a groin injury in week eight and reports are that he's 50-50 to play this week. So while you are starting him, if he plays, that's definitely something to monitor going forward. And even if he does play, it's not necessarily a favorable matchup against Denzel Ward. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs do sit him they're currently sitting at 7-1, so I don't think they necessarily need him in this matchup against the Browns. And then for Sammy Watkins, I actually like him a little bit more this week if Tyreek Hill does play. If Hill sits out, Sammy Watkins is likely to draw Denzel Ward, whereas if Hill plays, he's likely to see a lot of Demarius Randall or TJ Carey, who are much more ideal matchups. So keep your eye on Hill's status for Week 9, but the upside for Watkins is certainly there, keeping him in that wide receiver three territory for me this week
1: and on the other side of the ball for the Browns they really are obviously in an unfortunate situation right now in flux they just fired the head coach and the offense coordinator so you can't expect the offense to be in full swing they're gonna have to be playing on the fly which in my opinion is going to favor the running game they'll probably play it a little bit more conservatively And I do think it'll be more carries for Nick Chubb in the run game. It's unfortunate for Baker Mayfield because it's not a bad matchup. They are allowing the second most passing yards in the league. And they have allowed five quarterbacks to score more than 20 plus fantasy points this season. So although it's a favorable matchup, I just don't see the offense as a booming offense while they're going through these internal struggles. I think they will rely on the run game and with the added boost from the favorable matchup due to the Chiefs allowing 5.31 yards per carry, the second most in the NFL. And they've allowed 13 top 24 performances in eight games. Almost two running backs per team ending up in the top 24 each week. So that's so they're letting up a lot of points to the running back position. It's a favorable matchup for Nick Chubb. Duke Johnson really hasn't seen the targets or snap share, in my opinion, to warrant being played. Although there's nowhere to go but up because he can't see less than what he's been seeing right now. In the receiving core, Jarvis Landry is the only man, is the only guy you're really going to start because like I said, I do think there's going to be offensive struggles being with only six days to prepare for this game. But Jarvis Landry has only seen, he's only seen less than 10 targets once this season. So he's just going to get a ton of volume. He's You're going to have to play him. But, but I wouldn't expect an, an extraordinary day. He hasn't been very productive as of late. And I do just expect the Cleveland Browns to be struggling.
0: The only other pass-catching option I wanted to touch on here is David Njoku. I'm chalking up last week to just a bad game. I'm expecting him to return to his six-plus targets per game against the Chiefs, who have allowed five tight ends to put up 57 or more yards so far this season.
1: In the next matchup, Jets versus the Dolphins, it pains me to say it, but Sam Darnold has been very cold as of late. He's had a couple of good games that he looked very hot in, but besides those couple of performances – he doesn't really warrant a passing game that you're really interested in. So for fi- so from a fantasy perspective, the wide receivers, the tight ends, I wouldn't have much interest in Sam Darnold. The only thing we're talking about really with the Jets is their backfield. With Bilal Powell out, I do think Isaiah Crowell gets a bump from his normal work load. Even though Elijah McGuire is finally being activated, I do think his first week back, they're not going to overload him. He's fully healthy. He's been practicing for two weeks. He's ready to go, but still in his first first week back I can't see just being overloaded with work I think Isaiah Crowell gets a bump this week and in not too bad of a matchup so I would definitely fire up Crowell if anybody on the Jets this week
0: and then on the Dolphins side of the ball Brock Osweiler same as Sam Darnold I'm not trusting either of them in standard single quarterback leagues and in the run game you have Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore Drake has averaged 9.3 carries and 6.8 targets per game over the last four weeks, which is much better than we saw earlier in the season. He should be a solid running back two this week. And Frank Gore is still seeing his 10 to 15 carries per game, but has yet to score a touchdown and has zero involvement in the passing game. So while his volume does keep him at a running back three territory due to bye weeks, it's nothing to be excited about. And in the passing game, you have Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and Danny Amendola. In a pretty favorable matchup, the Jets have allowed nine wide receivers to score 15 or more fantasy points on the season. So I think that if Parker does get the volume, he'll be a great play this week. But of course, that's no guarantee. I'm avoiding Kenny Stills as he's still dealing with a groin injury that kept him sidelined last week. And Danny Amendola draws the most favorable matchup as the Jets have been picked apart by slot receivers this season. And he's been targeted 24 times over the last three weeks. So I think he is a solid. Safe bi-week fill-in in this matchup. And now we'll move right into our next game, the Chicago Bears playing the Buffalo Bills with an over-under of 37 and a half points. Mitch Trubisky, he's been great for fantasy with two or more touchdowns and 47 or more rushing yards in each of his last four games. And while this isn't the most favorable matchup against the Bills, who have allowed just seven touchdowns in their last six games, and four of those coming on the road to Andrew Luck in week seven, it's hard to say that he isn't a must-start with how solid he's been for fantasy, but I'm still viewing him as a higher-end quarterback too this week. And for the run game, Jordan Howard, Rico in the Bills defense. defense. Defense has been tough on the ground, but they've allowed the six most fantasy points through the air to running backs this season, so Cohen should be started as a high-end running back too, and with Howard, you're really hoping for a touchdown but the game script should be on his side as I'm expecting the Bears to be ahead in this game. And Alan Robinson, I'm assuming that he'll be back for this game, for the Bears passing game, and he'll be matched up with Tredavious White. So welcome back to the lineup. Not a great matchup, not someone that I would trust as more than a low-end wide receiver three this week. And for Taylor Gabriel, he's more of a big play receiver, and the Bills have allowed just 21 plays of 20 or more yards this season. They've actually only allowed two wide receivers to go for more than 81 yards against them, and that was Adam Thielen and Julian Edelman. They play out of the slot. Taylor Gabriel's more Gabriel's more Of a perimeter guy. And Anthony Miller, I think he could be a sneaky start. He's seen seven targets in each of the last two games and has scored in three of his last five. With a tough matchup for Robinson and a lack of big plays allowed by the Bills defense, Miller could be a sneaky start again this week. If he doesn't get into the end zone, though, he'll likely disappoint. And then for the tight end, Trey Burton, not an ideal matchup,
1: but you likely don't have a better option, so you're rolling him out. And on the other side of the ball, for the Bills, obviously you're avoiding this offense, especially with Nathan Peterman at the helm. It doesn't matter. Anderson, Peterman, you're just not going to play them. We know LaShawn McCoy gets a ton of volume, but he's got a tough matchup this week. The Bears are really good against the run. They're really good on defense. And he, has, he had one or two good weeks with that volume. But for the most part, he's been really unproductive with it. So I, we don't recommend starting even LaShawn McCoy this week.
0: And for our next matchup of the week, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Carolina Panthers with an over-under of 54 points. On the Buccaneers' side of the ball, Fitzmagic is back against the Panthers defense that has allowed two passing touchdowns in every game this season since week two, but they've allowed just one top 12 finish to the position during that time. Dan, that's your boy, Matt Ryan. He was the lone quarterback that was able to pull that off. However, I do think that the lack of a Buccaneers run game and solid pass-catching weapons on the Buccaneers keeps Fitzpatrick locked in as a QB1 for me this week. In the run game that I was just mentioning, the Panthers have allowed just three rushing touchdowns all year. So despite Ronald Jones being sidelined, I'm really not willing to trust Peyton Barber as anything more than a running back three this week. And then in the passing game, of course, Mike Evans, he's the one that you can trust. But Chris Godwin, 22 targets, in their last three games since their bye. He's been solid, but the Panthers have allowed just three top 24 wide receiver performances this season. So I do think he's still on the lower end wide receiver radar as he does seem to be cementing himself as the wide receiver two for the Buccaneers offense, but not something that I'm willing to trust this week. And Deshaun Jackson, he's becoming increasingly reliant on the big plays. as he's now fallen to fourth in snaps behind Evans Godwin and Adam Humphreys. Of course, his skill set does allow him to make those big plays, but the Panthers defense has allowed just three plays of 40 or more yards on the season. That's in large part due to cornerback Dante Jackson, who has 4-3 speed to let him keep up with Deshaun Jackson and just held Ravens wide receiver John Brown to three receptions for 28 yards on seven targets
1: last week. On the other side of the ball, the Carolina Panthers offense has been humming and the Buccaneers defense does not scare you. So you're firing up Cam Newton and, and Christian McCaffrey every week, obviously. But Devin Funches and DJ Moore are two guys that are definitely worth a look this week. Dem Funches had a brutal matchup against the Ravens last week, but before that had received seven plus targets in each of his five previous games. And this matchup is much better with the Bucks allowing 75.2% completion percentage to wide receivers. So consider Funches as a wide receiver two this week. And DJ Moore has increasingly seen more snaps, especially with the loss of Tor- Torrey Smith. So He played a season high 71% of snaps last week and showed up with 90 yards through the air and 39 on the ground. So he was versatile and being used in both the run and the pass game. DJ Moore definitely ends up as a wide receiver three flex option this week with high, high upside. And Greg Olson, you know, it's hard, the tight end position being as thin as it is. So you're definitely firing up Greg Olson. Our next matchup, the Chargers take on the Seahawks with an over under of 48 points. Phillip Rivers has been really good this season. And although the Seahawks have yet to allow a top 12 quarterback finish this season, I still think you're firing up Phillip Rivers. He's got too many weapons at his disposal. The Chargers are rolling. Their only two losses are against top elite teams in the NFL. So as long as they're on a hot streak, I'd feel really difficult about sitting Phillip Rivers. In the run game, obviously, Melvin Gordon is a start every week. Unless, of course, he sits. He is questionable. There's not exactly sure if he's going to play on Sunday. If he does miss, Eckler is an automatic start. You got to get him into your lineup. Otherwise, Gordon, 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 the offense runs through him. And behind Keenan Allen, yes, there's plenty of offense to go around. But Terrell Williams and Mike Williams are both dart throws. Yes, they are the next in the pecking order in that offense, but you never know when that's going to be production and when that's going to be a blanket zero. So you don't want that. It's a risky play.
0: And then on the Seahawks side of the ball, Russell Wilson has played lights out as of late, throwing nine touchdowns over the last three weeks, but that was on just 54 pass attempts, which does make me a little cautious to just put that into context. Andrew Luck has thrown over 50 pass attempts in multiple games this season. So imagine if he threw for nine touchdowns in one of those games. That would just be ridiculous. So I'm not denying that his efficiency has been incredible, but from a fantasy perspective, I'm just not sure if that's sustainable, especially against the Chargers who haven't allowed more than one passing touchdown in any game since week four. For the Seahawks run game, Chris Carson, he's the only Seahawks running back that you can trust here. And while I'm not expecting a high volume game from him, he still falls into running back two consideration for me this week. And in the passing game, Doug Baldwin, he should see a ton of Desmond King in the slot who has allowed an 82% catch rate this season. So I'm continuing to start him despite a low volume passing offense, but as a higher end wide receiver three. And Tyler Lockett, he's now scored in seven of eight games this season, but has caught just five passes for 47 yards over the last two weeks. I'm definitely expecting some touchdown regression here, especially this week as he should see a lot of Casey Hayward who has been lights out over the last three weeks. He's really just a boomer bust wide receiver three for me here. And then you have David Moore, who now has 182 yards and four touchdowns over the last three games, but on just 11 targets. So like Lockett, I'm expecting some regression here, although he should draw a favorable matchup against Trevor Williams, keeping him in that lower end wide receiver three conversation due to bye weeks. And moving right into our next game of the week, the Houston Texans take on the Denver Broncos in a game with a 46-point over-under. For the quarterback position for the Texans, Deshaun Watson, I know he just threw five touchdowns last week, but the Broncos defense has totaled 13 sacks and five interceptions over the last three weeks, so I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles behind that offensive line, but while you likely don't have a better option, he's really just a quarterback two play for me this week. In the run game, Lamar Miller, I'm a bit more confident in him after he posted back-to-back 100-yard games, but the Broncos have held David Johnson and Kareem Hunt to just 89 rushing yards and zero touchdowns over the last two weeks. Meanwhile, Miller has also seen just eight targets over the last three weeks, so it's hard for me to really trust him as more than a low-end running back two here. And for Demarius Thomas, he gets to go back and play his former team. And I'm really just not a fan of wide receivers switching teams midway through the season in general. But he just got traded on Tuesday. He had to fly to Houston, learn the playbook, and now has to fly back to Denver for Sunday. That's definitely not ideal. I'd be avoiding him if possible here. And Kiki Kuti, he's dealing with a hamstring injury and he's unlikely to play this week. Even if he does, he'll be matched up against Chris Harris Jr. in the slot. I'm definitely avoiding him, even if he does play here.
1: On the other side of the ball for the Denver Broncos, Case Keenum had a rough week last week, f- sacked five times against the Chiefs, and he's got J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney coming at him this week, so it doesn't get much better. I wouldn't recommend him as a streaming option. On the other hand, Phillip Lindsey without Royce Freeman is as a guy with RB1 upside, but with a tough matchup, he is looking more of like an RB2 play this week. He'll get a ton of volume in the passing game, And in the run game, maybe a little boost in the passing game with Demarius Thomas leaving. But ultimately, that's going to benefit Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. Sanders has been great. He'll get a little bit more in the passing game than he's already getting. But Sutton is the true beneficiary of the departure of Demarius Thomas. Keep him in, in on your radar. This week and going forward, he's definitely an option, at least a wide receiver three option and if the Kingdom could get it into gear, he could have wide receiver two upside. In our next matchup, the Rams take on the Saints with a high over-under of 60 points. Obviously, we're expecting plenty of scoring in this game. On the Rams side of the ball, that's to be expected. Their offense is flying high this year and will continue to do so. The Saints have allowed third most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks, and with Jared Goff getting Cooper Cup back, he is an elite option at the position, probably a top five play this week. And For the wide receivers, you're probably starting all three. Cooper Cup has returned. He was very good. He was one of the better options in the offense before he went down with his injury. And although, in Multi week injury makes you a little nervous. He is drawing a favorable matchup in the slot against PJ Williams, who is allowing a 139.1 quarterback rating this season. As for Cooks, he has the toughest matchup of the day against Marshawn Lattimore, but the talent is just too good and the offense is just too powerful. You're going to be playing him. He can be anyone, any given play deep, and that's why Cooks is impossible to take out of your lineup. The guy I love, though, and I continue to love, and I've been loving, when everybody said that Cooks and Cup this year, I was pounding the table for Robert Woods, and here you go. Robert Woods is a dominant wide receiver, and it's time to give him his respect. In my opinion, he's the best on the roster, and pro football focus agrees with me, naming him a top five wide receiver in the NFL by the overall grades for 2018, only behind Adam Thielen, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham Jr., he comes in at fifth overall with an 87 point, an 87.7 total grade. He has just been lights out. He's been reliable. Not every game might be a sexy stat line, but it's because he does the dirty work. He moves the chains. He plays good football. He blocks well on the perimeter. And these guys at Pro Football Focus, they take it all into account, rating him a very high grade. He's deserved it. And I deserve a little bit of a pat on the back because I called it Robert Woods, lock him in for the rest of the season as a top-end wide receiver, too.
0: Just in case you guys didn't notice, we didn't even mention Todd Gurley in that segment. If you need us to tell you to start Todd Gurley, then you need a lot more than this podcast to help you with your fantasy football skills. However, moving on to the Saints side of the ball, of course, you're starting Drew Brees for the run game, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. The Rams, they are currently the ninth-ranked defense against fantasy running backs, but I'm confidently starting both this week. Kamara as a running back one and Ingram as a mid-tier running back two, but I think he's definitely startable in this matchup with the way that that offense has been. moving and in the passing game of course Michael Thomas he's locked in every week then you have Traquan Smith he has some interesting upside this week with such a high over under against the Rams team that has allowed a league high 10 passing plays that have gone over 40 yards this season I think this is finally the week that you can lock him in with some confidence if you're in a pinch And the only other pass-catching option here, Ben Watson. I know he had zero catches last week against the Vikings, which makes him a little hard to trust. And the Rams have allowed just 29 receptions for 240 yards and one touchdown, two tight ends, since Jared Cook's monster game in Week 1. However, Drew Brees hasn't been targeting a third wide receiver, and the Rams have been great against pass-catching running backs. So again, with such a high over-under, Watson falls into the streamer territory for you this week. And now, on to one of the most anticipated matchups of week nine the Green Bay Packers playing the New England Patriots with an over under of 56.5 points. On the Packers' side of the ball, Aaron Jones, he seems to have taken over the backfield last week with 14 touches compared to Jamal Williams's four. And trading away Ty Montgomery frees up about seven touches per game, which may not seem like a lot, but Aaron Jones has been so efficient this season, an extra seven touches could mean a lot for his production, and I know the Patriots have allowed just two rushing touchdowns on the season, however they've also allowed the second most receiving yards to running backs, so I think that Jones is locked in as an RB2 this week, and for the Packers passing game, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Randall Cobb, Allison he is currently listed as doubtful for Sunday with a lingering hamstring injury, so there may be some extra clarity for that position if he misses. But it looks like the Packers are going to run with a four-man rotation at the wide receiver position, making them all risky options outside of Devontae Adams. The only other pass-catching option that I'm willing to trust there is Jimmy Graham. And I know that he was disappointing last week, but Jimmy Graham had 11 catches for 180 yards in the previous two weeks. So I don't think he'll be a priority for the Patriots' defense. And we've seen Eric Ebron and Trey Burton put up nine receptions for over 100 yards and a touchdown against them in the past, so I think you're locking him back in as a tight end one in this matchup.
1: On the other side of the ball for the Patriots, their offense is rolling and you continue to start Tom Brady, but in the backfield, keep an eye on Sony Michelle's availability approaching game time. He is questionable. He was limited in practices this week, and although it doesn't seem too serious and like he might be able to go, they still might hold him out, being that they have a bye next week. It would give Michelle added time to rest up and get healthy going forward, Obviously, this is a team that thinks about the future. They're going to be in the postseason, and they got to have their guys for that. Not to mention, it's not the most favorable matchup. The, but the Packers have been very tough against the run, so not a favorable matchup. Definitely keep an eye on Sonny Michel's availability, availability, and that might play into James White's favor a little bit because he is obviously the premier pass-catching back for them. Coming out of the backfield, he might have a little extra space, and there is no doubt in our minds that Bill Belichick is licking his chops at the fact that they have haha Clinton Dix traded to Washington? Their premier safety in the in the NFL is now gone. Look for Belichick to seize that opportunity and distribute the ball to Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, and Rob Gronkowski over the middle where ha-ha Clinton Dix has been a force previously for the Green Bay Packers. And now
0: right into our final game of the week, the Tennessee Titans playing the Dallas Cowboys with an over-under of 40 and a half points. On the Titans' side of the ball, Marcus Mariota, hopefully the bye week, helped this offense, but they've scored more than 20 points just once all season, and the Cowboys haven't allowed more than 24 points to an opposing offense, all year long. They've also held opposing quarterbacks to just one passing touchdown or one rushing touchdown per game. No one has had more than two touchdowns against the Cowboys all season, which sounds ridiculous. So I'm not starting Mariota this week outside of two quarterback leagues. As far as the run game goes, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry, Dallas has allowed the sixth fewest rushing yards on the season. And Lewis, I think he provides a little more upside and a safer floor as Henry is completely touchdown reliant at this point. And he's only scored one touchdown all season. So not something you're going to be relying on. But both are nothing more than lower end running back threes this week. And in the passing game, I cannot believe that I'm still defending this guy. But Corey Davis, he's coming off of a stretch where he's faced Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Tredavious White, Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith, and Casey Hayward in his first seven games. The Cowboys cornerbacks have played better than expected, but this is by far the best matchup that Davis has seen all season. And I'm personally starting him as a wide receiver three this week while I'm just crossing my fingers, hoping that he doesn't burn
1: me again. And on the other side of the ball for the Cowboys obviously you're firing up Zeke. He's too involved. He's one of the top talents in the NFL, but this offense hasn't been producing much and it keeps Dak Prescott out of starting territory. Yes, he has an attractive safe floor because of his legs, but he has just eight touchdowns on the season and the Tennessee Titans defense has been pretty good. So the passing game has been unreliable to say the least. At home though, I will expect a little bit of a better day and the arrival of Amari Cooper tells us a few things. Cooper, maybe not just this week, but being that they gave up a first round pick for him, is going to be heavily involved uh, at some point. Like I said, just got there, only two weeks to really get acclimated to the offense. It might take a little bit longer than that. So maybe not a huge workload this week, but it's going to trend in that direction. And I will remain adamant about the fact that this will definitely benefit Michael Gallup, a rookie wide receiver who is trending in the right direction already. So again, this passing offense hasn't been stellar. So it's not like you've been relying on it. And we wouldn't rush to go start these guys, especially in a not so great matchup. But keep an eye on it going forward. They're obviously, by bringing in Amari Cooper, trying to give some life to that passing game. And I really do think it might just work. Amari Cooper is a talented wide receiver. He can definitely come in and affect the passing game, and if nothing else, take a little support off of Gallup, who I believe was trending in the right direction, playing his most snaps just a couple of weeks ago. So keep an eye on Gallup and Amari Cooper going forward, but this week, nobody really worth starting except for Zeke. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all we have for episode 23 Of the Football MD Podcast. Thanks for joining us. As usual, guys, we really do appreciate you guys tuning in. We hope that we're getting you guys closer and closer to the fantasy playoffs each and every week. Remember to check out our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Football MD Pod for all your waiver wire, streaming options, and much, much more. Then hit our website for our podcast, The College Football Corner, and the Sully Says page for all your gambling interests. That website is footballmdpodcast.com. Thanks again for joining us guys and enjoy your football weekend.